0: Welcome to PSR, People Speaking Rail, and we have a fun one today. What I thought um, would be uh, a good way to end the year with uh, People Speaking Rail is to talk through uh, the John Oliver uh, show from about a week and a half ago and uh, talk about what we thought John Oliver got right and wrong. If you haven't seen it, it's on uh, HBO Max, about 25 minutes, very humorous, goes through um, you know a bunch of critiques of, of the railroad industry uh, very, you know, worthwhile. Um, I'm Mike Bowden, just joined by Joanna Marsh. Uh, Joanna, did you have a chance to, to see the show?
1: I, I did. Well, so I, I don't have HBO Max, so I had to, but it is actually on YouTube or even if you do, I think a, a search for, you know, John Oliver and, and, and trains, it'll, it'll mm-hmm. pop up. So, um, I don't know how long the link is going to be there or if it just kind of stays there forever, but, <laughs> but, but you can definitely catch it now while it's still there for sure. So.
0: Yeah, I would say check that out. And uh, before we talk about uh, that show, I just want to make sure everyone knows how to sign up for the Freight Waves uh, Railroad Newsletter. All you have to do is go to www.freightwaves.com forward slash subscribe and subscribe to any of our newsletters. You scroll down to the bottom. And, and the second one from the bottom is that rail newsletter it will be in your inbox every Thursday. Uh, clearly, John Oliver's you know writing staff is uh, subscribed to this. They uh, showed uh, one of Retro Premax articles uh so uh on to the the critique so we're going to critique john oliver's critique and my scorecard i have um three items uh that i thought were fair uh critiques of the railroads. one of them was multi-part so it's really more than, than than three and then the ones i thought were unfair i have six where either i thought um maybe the critique was unfair or maybe there was some some lacking uh, context so we can go through uh that i think one of the things i thought was unfair so the first item here is they didn't say a word about positive train control which of uh, since this was such a focused thing on the railroad safety issues that one line about positive train control maybe would have um you know been uh prudent given that uh that was a multi billion dollar uh, mandate unfunded mandate that was required by the by, by Congress um, as a result of the Chatsworth, California, derailment in 2008, and for all the discussion of the issues with railroad safety, not mentioning what I would um, argue is the you know basically the, the worst train derailment of all time, not being mentioned. It was you know relatively long time ago, um, 2008, uh, but uh, thought that you know positive train control really has made. The industry safer um you know since that's designed to eliminate uh you know human human errors so that was the kind of item number one um that i thought was um you know unfair uh or maybe we should go through the fair ones first um mm-hmm. so, okay so maybe well, maybe we'll go back and forth so that was that was an unfair one Thought they should have mentioned positive train control mm-hmm. one that i thought was fair was that uh the discussion of the rank and file workers um so these union members not being able to ask the fra questions. Without retaliation from, uh, in the in the case of the example example they made was a BNSF manager came down on a railroad worker for asking the FRA a question, and uh, to me, I mean that that doesn't make any sense. That is, you know, sort of an abusive, um, toxic culture. I mean, anyone should be able to ask the FRA a question, whether that be a railroad worker, member of the public, shipper, um, what have you. So I thought I thought that was fair. I mean, do understand at a high level why bnsf would not want um, a union member to go to them it's a little bit like you know asking the irs you know, i have this offshore account that's not tied to my social security number um a- am i allowed to do that it uh, might end up auditing that person so it's kind of like tipping the fra that you know maybe this is something to be audited a- and maybe tipping them off that something is 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 illegal but still if everything's on the up and up railroad should say go ask the fra all the questions you want Another issue um, that I thought was, you know, a fair criticism of the, the railroads was the, 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 some of the communities' impact with the very long railroad, with very long railroads, you know, the passing sidings, I think in a lot of cases do need to be extended. That's commensurate with the, the increased lengths of the trains. And it is problematic when you have certain communities, I mean, there's some communities that the only way to get in and out of them is crossing one railroad track and like there was that one community in Texas that they there was an article that was was described that really well um, i can't remember where exactly that was in but the first responders couldn't get in because it was blocked by a railroad crossing and it does encourage students and members of the public to just sort of, sort of walk through there so something has to be done where um you know if a railroad is going to deploy a very long train through a community that that needs to be taken into consideration uh, just uh, you know how that impacts um you know, being able to cross and all those related safety issues, and there was that section in the video talking about the railroads' priorities under under positive Train or under PTC uh, under under PSR, and showed safety being the fourth priority. And it's almost like you could sort of make that same prioritization in terms of the constituencies of the railroads, where really I would argue the constituency's prioritization on the railroads is shareholders number one. Maybe customers number two, or maybe a distant number two over the last several years, and then unions and the communities are kind of maybe that fourth prioritization. So I think they need to be bumped up. So um, you know, so, so that I think another was another sort of fair criticism, for the most part. Um, even though I recognize that in certain cases maybe the, the roads can't extend the, the, the passing sidings, but in some cases maybe they should deploy you know, shorter trains if it's going to be go through through urban areas like that. Uh, the, the other one um, that I thought was was fair was the fra um you know maybe the fra should have more power to, to to for over the railroads and maybe the railroads you know shouldn't self-regulate to the extent that they do i mean the criticism that the um rail cars that may maybe involved in the east palestine derailment were inspected for very long they only have a minute and a half to or, or 30 seconds in some cases to inspect the rail cars uh you know maybe there should be some some regulations there i think a lot of those things are coming Uh, which was maybe one of the things that was that that was less fair Um, and then there's all these related issues with you know the FRA not knowing where the trains are or maybe really the issue is not knowing what cargo is in the rail cars and I would sort of split that here by saying yes I think the FRA should know what's in a particular rail car but I think the individuals who do that need to have a very high clearance um basically security clearance because you don't want I don't think it should be a, a matter of public record to know where there's hazardous materials on the train. I think that just opens up too much potential for for terrorism and foul play. So um Joanna, what did you think about those topics?
1: Yeah, I mean um you know I I guess I guess to kick off like in, in general, um I, I do appreciate how um you know how John Oliver was was uh prefaced his critique of the industry by saying that you know that he supports the railroads and that he you know supports what they do and that you know it's not necessarily something that like you know let's let's ban railroads you know so um i I do appreciate that he bookended um the the segment with you know (coughs) um both that you know the that sentiment um before and before he kicked off and then at the very end um uh, so that is to, to start off with that um, the the one I guess the the one of the main things that that struck me was um, well okay on, on one he was, was it was a I, I felt it you know it was kind of a a good overview of, of, of things for the most part um, but one thing that struck me is and maybe it's an interest of time or whatever um, but you know he you talked about the federal Railroad administration um, and how and might need to do more to regulate the railroads, um, but you know there was no mention of the Surface Transportation Board, um, mm-hmm. which you know sort of looks at the, the economics of, of things, and so you know how um, how the railroads deal with shippers, you know if there are any sort of um, you know uh, rail rates and stuff like that, and and even though, um, it, and even though it's two different, you know two different. Um, if you have two different silos, you have safety and you have like economics, um, especially under PSR, um, those, those, those silos have kind of become more, I would say intertwined, but you know, they, they're, they're not so separate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like you see, like, you know, with the, the, the question about workforce, if, if, if workforce was cut as a way to, um, Cut costs if workforce levels were a way to cut costs. Like, how does that inf- in, you know impact safety, for instance? And so you have these economic decisions that might result in might have safety implications. And so um, I think in it, just in general, <laughs> some of these um, the, the the safety issues, kind of you know like like the sightings, for instance. Um, that makes sense, but then, you know, economically, you know, how how can you, you know, is there a way that you you can justify that to the railroads? Or, or... Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's kind of what I, I felt was was missing. That that sort of it, it did touch upon mm-hmm. like safety and economics, but there was no mention of the SDB, um, which which kind of struck me. It's, it's yeah, yeah,
0: and it's not like the STB, which economically regulates the railroads, doesn't care about safety. I mean, that was the big uh-huh. thing that Marty Oberman brought up at Rail Trends, sort of raking Union Pacific over the coals because they furloughed maintenance away workers. He was making the argument those those people shouldn't have been furloughed because, let's say, the, the traffic hasn't declined to a certain amount that you wouldn't need those people, and he was concerned that that would ultimately hurt. Safety. So the STB does come down on the railroads. I mean, it's not their primary focus. It's more the the economics, but they 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 do care about that a lot as well. Um, You know, some of the other things I have listed as maybe being you know potentially unfair uh, to the railroads during that piece. The the part about the one man crews, where uh, the Class One railroads, you know, now you have to have two you know people on a crew, crew, locomotive engineer and a conductor on any longer haul. Train. I think it's a little bit of a straw man argument that the railroads want this to be one man crew because I think it's very unlikely we're going to see this. I mean, you bring up in your article just published the other day, um, I guess published yesterday. New York, New York is the, is the latest state uh, that's required two man crews on the freight trains, and this joins a kind of laundry list of other states. Now we're up to eleven. Um, you know, earlier this year it was Ohio and Kansas, but you know now we have a total of eleven that require you know two person crew. So in order to, to go to a one-person crew, not only would the unions have to adjust their rules, which I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's a hill they will die on. You would also have to have some federal law that supersedes the state law. I don't think there's going to be a lot of lawmakers that are going to stand up and say, not in favor of real safety. You can go to one-man crew. I just don't think that's going to happen. So I thought that was a little bit of a straw man argument. Um... The other one was maybe some of the sick day comments lacked a little bit of context. Uh, I think you know we've talked about this a lot in the past. Um, you know, Tony Hatch brought it up on our show last week that the sick days was a little bit of a political chip to get more pay, whereas no one was talking about the sick day issue before the negotiations between the railroads and the union workers kind of came to a head, and kind of at the eleventh hour, they threw the sick day uh comments in there and those you know sick day rules they have been a little bit outdated and, and they've been updated um and i think don oliver said it was it was updated on bnsf but i was under the impression that you know all the railroads now are, you have some some degree of floating sick days where people could take off if all of a sudden they get sick and some of those older rules were basically designed they had a like, you know, point system to make sure that not everyone takes super bowl sunday off because the railroads run 24 7 365 so um i thought that was a little bit unfair at least lacking lacking context Mm -hmm. another issue um keep going here uh is on the east palestine derailment and you know yes it was a huge derailment yes hugely expensive like like he brought up uh what, what they didn't say was that the epa Environmental Protection Agency doesn't say there's an ongoing health risks associated with being in East Palestine, living in East Palestine. So, you know, there wasn't a comment from, you know, the EPA about how, you know, the, what the situation in there is there is on the ground because it really didn't support the thesis that that was, a, you know, one of the worst derailments in, you know, history, it didn't mention that no person was... Was was killed during that. You know, there were some there were some chickens that that didn't make it. I think probably some probably some fish, and um, but but it, you know, to me, it was not one of the worst derailments. Um, you know that we've seen. Um, you know nothing like the Lac Megantic. I mean, he brings up Lac Megantic, and that was for for sure, absolutely horrific. Um, and, and hopefully, we'll never see a, a Lac Megantic again. But um, you know, some of the East Palestine uh, comments, I thought you know, lacked the the context that the EPA comments um, w- would have provided some balance to and, um, you know, didn't say a word about the Railway Safety Act, which I know you've talked a lot about. Um, you know, what, what's the status on the, the Railway Safety Act? We think we probably will see this um, next year.
1: Maybe. I mean, I think what's holding some lawmakers back is... Um, is, is waiting for the, the final report from the National Transportation Safety Board um, on East Palestine mm-hmm. and seeing, um, granted, you know, NTSB has been um, putting out some, not lately, but they had been putting out uh, some recommendations by piecemeal, um, uh, you know, as yeah. the process is ongoing, but I think just kind of waiting for that final report and seeing how it, it meshes uh, with, you know, what's the provisions that are in the Railway Safety Act. Um, so that's what's holding up some lawmakers back right
0: now. Yeah, so I think there's going to be new safety regulations that come as a result of the East Palestine derailment. We just haven't gotten there yet. But you know, just like there was um, you know big safety re- regulation after Chatsworth gave rise to PTC, I think the Railway Safety Act is going to give rise to you know potentially new rules on. Know things like the spacing of the of the sensors to see you know where those wheel bearings get hot. I mean that seems to be a you know a huge issue you know related to not just the that Norfolk Southern derailment also one on, on CSX. So I, I think I think some of those safety regulations are coming uh, to address uh, those type of things. And then on the safety comparison, I mean he did mention that railroads are safer than trucks, but um, the stats on just how much safer. I mean you could um, you know look at this a lot of different ways. I mean just make sort of one way. Is just how many people die on you know highways versus you know die on you know the the, the railroad. I mean, sort of in a, in a given year, it's about you know thirty nine thousand five hundred people die on ha- U.S. highways each each year, and that's compared to about nine hundred and fifty rail fatalities. And a lot of those rail fatalities are suicides, um, unfortunately. Uh, so you kind of think you know even if you include you know the suicides, it's still like deaths on highways are forty x. What they are on the railroad so it's it's way it's way safer i mean we did a, it sort of showed that magnitude on on the emissions and you know the carbon in, impact but you know sort of it's also striking just how much safer the, the railroads are did i, did I miss anything with, with with those um
1: i don't think so um i had a thought pop into my head but i can't remember it now but no i mean that that i mean i i Agree. I, I think <laughs> I remember my thought now. I'm I'm a little although this is just my own personal opinion. Um, I, I'm I, I'm glad you're you're hopeful about the rail safety. bill. I'm I'm kind of a little cynical about Congress in general. <laughs> He's done, so I actually don't know um, how much of something will happen. Um, I mean, there might be momentum again for sure after the NTSB report, but um, in terms of actually, uh getting something through, uh, it, you know, uh, for better, for worse, you know, you know, could, could it, the, the odds might be better if, if something bad happens, <laughs> which you don't really want to, mm-hmm. of course, but, you know, uh, but that's just, again, my personal opinion, but I, I think in terms of, you know, your, your thoughts, um, uh, about the, about the show. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, um, yeah, I I would generally agree, so.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was really good. I mean, it's, it's, it's all that, all that stuff bringing in the, in the Thomas tank engine. Wasn't familiar with those older cartoons. Um, does have really good writers. You know, something was lost when all those writers were on strike. Glad that, that they're back. So we can have things like that to distract us and entertain us. And it is kind of an odd exercise to provide a serious critique to a comedy show, but it's, you know, last show of the year and it's holiday season. And, why not do something a little bit fun? Um, you're also interested in grizzly bears, apparently. Uh, wrote an article up oh, about yeah. <laughs> that. So what can you tell us about grizzly bears on the railroad? I mean, I sort of understand the, the basic problem is that the railroads haul a lot of grain. BNSF specifically is a very large grain franchise. Those grain cars are loaded via you know, gravity. So they're, they're low, they're top loaded and then they get discharged on the bottom. So there's some leak. You can have grain on the railroad. I mean, I've seen it so bad that like the railroad track almost looks like a yellow brick road because so much corn has been left on the, on the railroad. So it attracts wildlife. I mean, is that, is that sort of the, the, the crux of the, the issue? They just need to, to clean that up?
1: Maybe. I mean, their recommendations, according to the the suit that they filed in the u s District court, so there are two environmental groups that sued b n s f um over uh over some deaths involving grizzly bears in twenty twenty three and also throughout the last several years um and uh, and addressing the issue of you know preventing that spillage from green cars was something that they had that the groups had wanted um According to what you know they said in their lawsuit um and that's actually according to b n s f that's actually one of the things that they're trying to um address as well uh i think uh well, i guess two things one is that um the issue of of grizzly bears getting onto track isn't necessarily just an issue of b n s f um it's something that you know uh other railways um happened to, even passenger rail um have to 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 go through um uh like for instance um in canada uh like c p canadian pacific um at the time you know worked with trans uh, with the canadian government um in addressing um you know ways to prevent uh grizzly bears from getting onto track uh, and they they had an initiative um, with like two Calif- uh, California <laughs> Canadian universities um, that from like 2010 and 2015, and and even one of those universities, the University of Alberta, is still kind of you know conducting research to this day on on how um, to mitigate or prevent uh, the deaths of grizzly bears on 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 you know train tracks, and and it refers you know they refer in their research they refer actually to ongoing research um, in in Sweden and and you know and in, in Europe, so um it's not necessarily an issue that's specific to BNSF um but what i i think is interesting in this lawsuit is that um they want um uh BNSF to uh modify their operations um whether that's you know changing the schedules or or slowing down um uh and then that's actually why the the environmental groups filed the suit they said well you know that it doesn't BNSF's um plan to, to address this issue doesn't include those two um possible um you know uh possible actions. And um and there's also the question of um uh the US Fish and Wildlife Services as opposed to um uh, a- approve BNSF's plan and there hasn't been action on that either. So uh mm-hmm. and yeah so that's kind of where things are and um, I, I'm not sure like what will the outcome will be um and and you know what the purpose mm-hmm. is if if it's to um sort of well I mean other than of course to get BNSF to, to do something, but like but but mm-hmm. if it's also it's like to bring visibility into the issue. Um if if B S F, you know, can't adjust their operational schedules, which you know is you know, whatever. <laughs> um what is that, you know, uh what else can they do I, I, besides, you know, what they, they've mentioned already. So,
0: yeah, it doesn't seem like it was going to be too big of a deal ultimately. Um, but kind of an interesting mm-hmm. one to, to to talk through. Uh, mm-hmm. What was, um, so, so you're working on some upcoming railroad articles. Some of these are going to be, you know, interviews with uh, various, um, you know, players in the industry and then your two, 2023 year in review article. Uh, can you give us a, a sneak peek on what we should expect in those articles?
1: Yeah. So I think, just thinking about it, I, I think the uh, the twenty twenty three article and the twenty twenty four article will be very much similar <laughs> in terms of 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 what themes uh, happened in twenty twenty three and what could happen in twenty twenty four. The main difference is that the twenty twenty four article will probably con- will probably be long, and will involve a lot of. Input from from different people that I've talked to over the last several weeks, um, but I guess uh, in terms of the, you know, obviously rail safety is 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 the big issue for 2023 and everything that kind of goes under it, um, which is you know uh, the the rail safety bill and 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 just all the various other um, safety related initiatives, um, and then I think for for 2024. Um, What will be interesting is um, how the election, you know, how the upcoming presidential election and it being election year, how that will affect things and not just, well, I guess really in two, two key areas. One is the rail safety bill, of course. Um, you know, if if it doesn't get moved in the first half of the year, what are its prospects of getting moved in the second half of the year when the election really, really comes into force? And um, you know, and you might have legislators kind of being unwilling to take um, more action, especially when it gets close to you know down to the wire and and like an election day. Um, but then you also have that question about what then how does the election or does the election affect the Surface Transportation Board? Because it's not just finding um an appointment to replace Marty Overman. Um, it's also getting Patrick Fuchs reappointed too, because his term is also ending. And can you, um, you know, how much, you know, is it? Will there be sort of an issue in trying to get him reappointed, um, or, or, or is that, you know, you know, could that be politicized somehow, or will it be kind of a non-issue and he will be able to coast through? So. Um, so i don't know (laughs) we'll see
0: (laughs) yeah so exciting stuff for sure and those will be up on the site um you know later this week or next week
1: oh i don't know um uh 23 will be 2023 will be this week and then 2024 could potentially be in early january but i'm not sure
0: gotcha okay well everyone uh, be sure to check those out and hope everyone has a great uh, day happy holidays